Welcome to the What's In My Head podcast. I'm your host, Julian, and thanks for checking out the audio format of our show. If you want to watch these episodes, check us out on YouTube. Just type in youtube.com slash what's in my head podcast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as I bring you a piece of your childhood each and every week. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button here as well as on YouTube. Make sure to check us out on all social media platforms. That's where I'll ask you, the fans, to drop a question or two for our upcoming guests. You can find us on social media by searching at In My Head Pod. If you're digging the content, leave us a rating and review as that helps us and other fans of pop culture find us. Enjoy the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, back again today with Greg Berger. Greg, how are you? Hey, doing good. Thank you for having. Uh, no problem. Uh, I mean, doing good is uh, it always requires qualification. Uh, we're in the middle of uh, of pandemic, and and so uh, I believe as long as we treat it with respect, hopefully it'll soon treat us with uh, with respect instead yeah. of disrespect. I mean, it would be nice to have some uh, common decency with this crazy shit going on and just, you know, go away type of thing. And we can go back to being normal. But I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Uh, looking forward with everyone to putting it in the rear view. But oh, that only happens by uh, by doing what needs to be done. I can't. Disagree. Common sense. What a concept. I, I mean, it's, uh, they always said that in the Navy is common sense isn't so common, um, you know. Yeah. Uh, and until you have a brother or sister or you have a kid. Um, that's when I realized that common sense really isn't common to most people. Um, but eh, I like that. I, I'll borrow it if I may. <laughs> uh, that's no problem. Um, so when I started down this rabbit hole of podcasting and talking to the people that made my childhood so fun, um, one of the shows that I really wanted to hit on was All Real Monsters. And uh, out of the original cat, the entire cast, you were the only one, the Gromble himself, uh, decided to talk with me. Um, and I appreciate you for that, man. That show was so huge in my childhood. Um, was that just a phone call you got from your agent? Said, hey, would you like to play for this role? Or do you know anybody that was on that show? It is Crumb, Oblina, Julian, you're late for class. <laughs> Sit down, open your monster books. You pusillanimous pieces of pond scum. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, uh, I look for every outlet for anger management that I can find <laughs> better than the Gromble. Uh, it came in as a call, like many calls. Actually, I had done a show called Duckman for mm-hmm. Klasky Chupo. And uh, so I was in the building. And uh, the beauty of places like Klasky Chupo and even Hanna-Barbera, in uh, its later days is that uh, the, the path to the recording booth takes you on a labyrinth through artists' desks, cubicles, writers' meetings. You're, you're sort of aware that you're part of something that's collaborative in nature. I mean, that's what I believe about anything that's created is that it's collaborative in nature. So you develop a respect for the writers, the artists, and, uh, and they for you, and it's social. So I was, I was a presence in the building is what I'm leading up to. I was aware that Ah Real Monsters was coming. I was aware that there was some interest in me for uh, reading. So in that case, it, it actually came from being sort of uh, in, the, in the neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, I became uh, familiar with the artists, the writers, the idea. I was, I was introduced to it early on. Of course, it involves agents at some point, and it involves setting up formal uh, submissions, auditions, callbacks, callbacks, callbacks. Yeah. Uh, I think the best of these shows, the ones that have legs, the ones that stick around and thank all the powers that be, the ones uh, that, that uh, 
have attached me to some very iconic animated figures. Um, there's just a, there's a real sense of recognition in the room. It's like everybody gets the same joke. Everybody, everybody knows how to throw the triple play. Uh, the timings are compatible almost from the time casting gets finalized. Somehow um, the best, and this is a credit to the best casting directors, they, they find people who are all on the same ripple of the same pond. Mm -hmm. And so you, by the time you show up in the studio, you're already so sort of compatible because, because they, the best of them are really careful at shopping yeah. a, a team, an orchestra, something that, something that'll do its best work together. Mm -hmm. So that's a, that's a long answer to a short question, but uh, all of that is true. I like hearing when you guys can expound upon, because you guys get asked so many of the same damn questions on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm sure. Um, but I always like when you guys take a question and then you answer three questions that I was going to ask. Them, <laughs> because, I, Like I said, I like, I work in a kitchen, so I like seeing how the sausage is made. I know how the sausage is made in my kitchen, but I like seeing you guys' craft and what you guys do and what you guys how every little thing from one step into an animation studio to the recording studio, you guys are going, like you said, on a labyrinth. So you're right. getting to see storyboards and you're getting to see the animators and you're getting to see the inside baseball or the behind the scenes type of thing. And so even when you're there for an audition, you have a sense of uh, the industry. You have a sense of how much creativity is happening under that roof. I mean, I don't know if everybody's sensitive to that. I'm ultra sensitive to that. When I go into a recording studio and I hear that thick, thick door seal, essentially seal out all uh, outside noise and distraction, I... I I think that's a big deal. When somebody hands me a script, I'm like Cinderella going to the ball. Whatever that <laughs> is, that lights up sensors in me uh, that that uh, that it, it, it makes it all uh, a, a labor of love. Yeah, it's that magic feel, you know. It's that it's it's that essence that's coming but out. I, I can only speak for myself. I don't know if everybody has that reaction to it, but when I teach, which I do uh, on again, off again. Uh, that's what I try to instill. It, it's <clears throat> the other thing that's not teachable and not learnable is that sort of sense of play that has nothing to do with your your voice or your chops. It's just that ability to get in the sandbox and and you know kick it around and have fun. Uh, at its best, the work work is is trying to get the gig, mm -hmm. uh, make an impression, be memorable. But the gigs themselves, the sessions, my God, it's like getting paid to play, and everybody's <laughs> there to play. Now you're the, I've I've gotten more. I don't know what it is. Not so much about Hollywood because I don't want to generalize Hollywood. But out of all the people that I've asked to speak to voice actors are almost instantly they're like i would love to come on and talk <laughs> um, you know and it's great because you know it's so nice to put even though it's not your real voice it's so nice to put a face even though you were an evil guy like i said in all real monsters but you were the evil guy that had a sweet side type of thing you know right. you, you did it for the best you were trying to bring out the best in these monsters right. <laughs> um so it, it's it's always nice seeing you know, what you guys go as far as not so much like your ritual, your setup, but how you get into a mindset for this character. Um, and all of these outside factors go and play into that. And uh, it's very apropos, if you will, if uh, you played it, you played a teacher 
back in the 90s as you know the grumble and did that kind of spark you teaching now and what do you teach well i i teach character voice for animation interactive uh gaming and commercials um, I can't get someone a gig. I can't get someone an agent. I can't even get them uh, to make the phone calls they need to make the next day. But I can promise like a voice gym to help them uh, make those muscles stronger, that versatility easier, the ability to sort of sift through breakdowns of material with the, which the writer has labored over, uh, go through that artist's uh, rendering because it's Full of clues and if you get off on being the detective that tries to put all those clues together and then I walk into an audition where uh, you are tasked no matter how prepared you think you are mm -hmm. in that audition you want to surprise them but you also want to surprise yourself you don't want to be so locked into anything just like a cook just like any creative venture that you can't, uh, you know, season it up on the fly. That if if you have that impulse, you don't you don't go with it. Uh, uh, that's why I think improv training is invaluable for animation mm -hmm. actors because you, you got to be able to keep the ball in play, and and that ball gets moving pretty fast. <laughs> now, when when you were talking improv, did you do like stuff like the Groundlings before you got into voice acting, or was that just something you experienced after the fact? Um, it was happening at the same time I, before before I really became kind of uh, mainstream in the mind of casting. I was a groundling and uh, learning those skills, but also, you know, it's another place where if you acquire those skills <laughs> and you have the ability to play, you're going to make more of a mark than if you just acquire the skills. The skills will let you talk, listen, and stay in the moment. But that that ability to play, and if it's funny, go ahead and let it go funny. If it's serious, let it go serious. But but whatever it is, just just don't stay locked down to something that ends up, of course, sounding sort of slick and rehearsed. Mm -hmm. You can over rehearse a musical instrument. You can over rehearse, you know, playing shortstop or second base. But when the balls hit, that's when you know uh, what your what your instincts are telling you to do. Now, is that something that you've always had a mindset for, or is that something that you've learned and grown and evolved with, you know, from such a young age as an actor through Groundlings and what you're doing now? Is that something you've always had, or is that something that you've learned to grow with, or it's just grown over the last however long? I don't know, man. I just saw a, a meme of a couple, and it says, don't look for the person to about love but don't look for the person to grow old with look for the person to stay young with <laughs> yeah um, that's fantastic I, I think I, I think and I teach that the biggest part of what we do is who we are so yeah I'd like to think that I'm consistent in word and deed from the get-go mm -hmm. um, I used to listen not listen I used to see people uh, at the zoo, in the park, uh, in the grocery store, whatever it was. And I'd be intrigued at trying to guess what they might sound like. Mm -hmm. And so uh, as a little precocious kid, stupid kid, not so stupid, <laughs> um, I would engage them in conversation to see if I was right. And I would look just at, at what I thought the, might influence the way they sounded. And then I'd engage them in conversation. So how, how, how odd am I? But uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say that passion, that interest uh, existed from the get-go. Uh, I have 
I have that same mindset, but only when it comes to my wife watching her chick flick movies, I'll look <laughs> at it and I'll figure out within five minutes how the story is going to progress, how the story is going to end. So like you figuring out what this person might sound like in the park, I'm figuring out what my wife's watching, how it's going to end. And then it pisses her off when I tell her how it's going to end. So well, I was going to say, you're, you're just like the spoiler of spoilers. Yeah. It's, how, how dare you? All love. <laughs> my wife, you. Well, my wife tells me, she's like, go away. This is, I, I'm watching this. You don't have to watch it with me. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I, I, it's hard because I walk by and I see something. And this is what got me into trouble. A lot of times in the Navy is I would say whatever's up here, vice, you know, let's put this through a filter. And, you know, they're like, all right, we're going to do this, this, that. And I'm like, well, that's dumb. And we should be doing that order. It, it's more beneficial and smarter and it's work smarter, not harder to do it this way. Oops. And then you get, push-ups and sit-ups and burpees yeah, and all this other stuff too. <laughs> yeah they just they try to break you real quick um when 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 you when you brought up teaching i thought that was really cool because you're the second voice actor that i've talked to that's an actual teacher i talked to pat fraley as well i'm not sure if you know yeah, pat um yeah. uh, it, it's it's fantastic because i couldn't teach like nah, that's not true i couldn't teach certain things i could teach what i do for a living as far as cooking because i'm been doing it since i was 12 and i've got a pretty fast knowledge and I've messed up a lot and I've done good stuff a lot. I've done stuff well a lot. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, You've done good stuff well a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, sometimes you got to throw it in there to make sure people are still listening. Right. So when, when you started going down this path of teaching, what was the hardest part about teaching young kids what you know? Well, it, it's not. Uh, and I don't think you really communicate with young kids any any differently than you do with kids of all ages. Mm -hmm. But um, my where I come from is that I was the kid on the living room floor on Saturday mornings watching Bugs Bunny, watching watching whatever there was to watch. But yeah. you know, I get the magic of it because I was the beneficiary of the magic of it. Uh, but later, when I as I've been allowed to work with my heroes, uh, from Jonathan Winters to June Foray to D Dawes Butler, Don Messick, and the, the late, great Mel Blanc, yeah. who, uh, who I was seated next to in one of the first sessions I ever did. Um, you just, it, it, it's kind of, that's the magic um, of, of being allowed to get closer to a lot of these people and, and, um, uh, just that you've had so much admiration for and suddenly you're in the same place and that's not to undervalue your contribution. Yeah. You're there because you're supposed to be there, mm -hmm. but my God, what a sense of fulfillment. I mean, there, there are all manners of success, but I'm down with the, with the success that you give yourself and you just take a second to uh, stand back, take a look at where you are in your real life and mm -hmm. pat yourself on the back. You did, you did the work and, and it's okay to enjoy the rewards. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic advice. I mean, what, so there's been a few times like going, cause I'm a huge comic book guy. If you can't tell um, <laughs> my, my wife thinks, nice my wife show. thinks it's a sickness. <laughs> um, I have to agree with her sometimes. Yeah. I was um, going to say she's not wrong, but <laughs> it's fun. No, she's really not. Uh, she, if you ask her, she's never wrong. Um, but it just, I guess it's just a, just a thing for her, but nonetheless. So when, when you were sitting next to people like Don Messick and Mel Blanc, um, I can only equate that to when I went to my first comic con and I met my favorite comic book writer of all time, Scott Snyder. 
Uh, I'm sitting there like like Fred Flintstone. I couldn't couldn't talk. I couldn't get anything out. Um, when you're sitting there with those two gentlemen, uh, Hall of Famers, Mount Rushmore, those two gentlemen right there. Yeah. Um, what were what were you thinking? Like, were you like, oh man, what the what, how the hell did I get here? Or what was that thought process? Just sitting there watching your heroes. Well, I actually had the benefit of stopping in the booth first. I, I can back the story up just slightly. Gordon Hunt, who was doing all of the voice direction in Hanna, at Hanna-Barbera in those days, was also a great theater director, TV director. He, he just, he has a real eye for, for everything. Uh, he had seen me in a play that I was doing in Los Angeles. And he asked to say hello after the play. And actually, I had gone in as an understudy that night. He saw it and he took note and he... he uh, he said, geez, if you're as versatile as what I just saw on stage, we should know about you at Hanna-Barbera. Yeah. And me, who can be polite at my own expense, I, 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 I felt the clock stop. And I thought, if I say thank you, he'll forget this by the time he gets to his car. So instead, I said, well, you know what? You've had my demo for months now. If you can move it from the bottom of the pile to the top, geez, I'd love to be doing it. <laughs> so he said... You've got a lot of nerve, don't you? And I said, normally never, but if this is opportunity, I'm not going to mistake it for anything other than what it is. <laughs> and he said, good for you. He said, you, you busted me. Uh, he called me in. The, I'm leading up to, to that, that session, but he called me in for something very peripheral uh, within the next week, introduced me to the room, um, and... Uh, said, I, I think this is one of the new kids. I want you to welcome him. Uh, he's where he's supposed to be. So uh, I guess it was a, within a week of that, he had me in again. Mm -hmm. And this was for what was then uh, the new adventures, the new Jetsons, uh, same cast, basically. And I play Curly Quasar, and I have a blind day with Judy Jetson, and the episode still airs, and it's so great. <laughs> but I stopped at the booth to say hi and to say thank you and to whatever I'm not worthy. He said, he said, <laughs> he said, you, you are exactly where you're supposed to be. You're with who you're supposed to be with. He said, I don't get freaked out. He said, I'm seating you next to Mel Blank. Cause I want you to feel that you are with the people you should be with and doing exactly what you should be doing who gets that in in their lifetime uh but that was my real life so so i walked in not entitled but but emboldened i walked in with a sense of of my the rightness of me being there he gave the same speech to them and said he had seen me and he'd been impressed and blah 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 and please welcome and please welcome so so it kind of at least for that very beginning moment became enough about me to break the ice and everybody was so warm and welcoming. So whether or not I would have been tongue tied five minutes before that sort of didn't matter anymore. Cause I already, I, I had already been welcomed in. That's a fantastic story. Thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate yeah, it. Um, when, when you were doing uh, what, what, a I don't think, I, I don't know if I remember or if I just didn't hear it, but um what were you working on when you were when you showed up that day with uh, Mel Blanc and Don Messick? It, it was the new Jetsons. The new Jet. Uh, okay, that's that's right. Still, I, I thought so. And, and Janet Waldo was still playing Judy Jetson, and uh, Dawes Butler was Elroy, and Don Messick. Uh, 
everybody was everybody. Gene yeah. Vanderpile. It was the Jetsons, and I was and I was uh, waltzed in. The episode still airs. It's part of. It's a proud part of my resume, and like that. Now, you, you said it was a proud part of your resume, but I got to ask you this question because growing up, I was a Flintstones guy. <laughs> Flintstones or Jetsons for you? All bias uh -huh. aside. Yeah. You, <laughs> it's a really close call but flintstones yeah yeah it, it's a fantastic it's it's one of those cartoons see, i was so i was a play. fan of, of the honeymooners and it was so it was so uh norton and and ralph cramden kind of in a different incarnation that yeah i just i just ate it up but both of those shows all of those shows and then I'm walking down the hallways where there, there's ghosts in those hallways. Oh, yeah. It feels like there's ghosts in every theater. And it just, it, you feel, you feel the positivity and you feel the creativity. Again, maybe that's just me and I'm being all touchy feely and oh, no, no. fuzzy, but, but Hey, I take the moment and I, I let it, I feel it. I allow myself to feel it. That's good because most people will sit back 50, 60 years from now, if we get that lucky and they'll, reminisce about what that feeling possibly mm -hmm. was very few people will sit here and say shit i made <laughs> it in here yeah they open the door now i got to kick this thing in <laughs> here, you know so very few people have that wherewithal that mindset you know to to really soak it in because like anything could happen i could go out here and, and fall down the stairs die and this is it this would be it right so you might as well take whatever you have really think about it really appreciate it because none of this shit's promised you, not, tomorrow's never promised and it's a great outlook to have especially in 2020 well i hope you get that i'm i'm in the same club uh and and uh you know it it is everything is what you make it it is what you yep. make it that's it that's the beginning and the end um i was going to add something else but uh, you said it you said it quite beautifully and succinctly Oh, thank you. Um, when you said you were a, that little child, you know, sitting there watching the Looney Tunes, who was your <laughs> favorite Looney Tune? Uh, Bugs. Bugs, Bugs. yeah. So yeah. irreverent and so smart and so uh, just just uh, the master of of all he surveyed and everything had to go his way. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't rabbit season. It was duck season. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Daffy was always my guy. I don't know what it was. Him and Donald were always like any of the Disney or the Cartoon Network. Those two were my guys. Um, but I did love me some bugs. Um, him I don't blame you. Gossamer. Him and Gossamer were one of my favorite episodes. Um, well, in, uh, in the past 15, 18 years, I've been allowed to step into the shoes of Eeyore on more than one occasion. Yeah. That's a favorite for me too. And then to be entrusted to never get too happy, never get too sad. Always be concerned that you have a nice day because somebody ought to. <laughs> it's, it's great. Now there's uh, do you have kids? I do. Uh, well, adult, adult children now, adult offspring, however you say it, <laughs> 31 um, and 28. When I, so I've, I have a 10 year old and uh, something I've always been fascinated with is voices is is dialect and accents and all this other stuff. However, I just I can't for whatever it is, my tongue's too bit. I just can't do what other people do or sound like. Maybe I just need to practice more. Right. Um, Sometimes. When 
when my kid was little, I would read to him um, and I would try to do voices, whatever. So insert Alice in Wonderland. I would try to do the voices that I heard or try to make up some voice. And they would, he would look at me and he just, just read it regular. You're, you're not, kids are the most <laughs> honest people. Everybody's like, a critic. He was like, you're not, he's like four. He's like, you're not good at doing voices. Just do your regular voice. It's okay, dad. And I'm like, damn. Uh, did you ever have a moment like that with your kids or did you ever get, you know, elbow like, hey, dad, my, my friend wants to talk to insert character here? Well, here's a here's here's the thing about that. And it actually was a story that uh, I, I've had my version of it. But as my pal Wayne's story, mm-hmm. um, I, I work on camera also. So uh, particularly like in the 80s, 90s, I did a lot of episodic TV. When yeah. you do an episode of somebody else's show, it's very exciting. And you know when your episode's coming and the week it passes, next week pass. And then you're on that night and everybody yeah. gathers around and watches that show. So uh, uh, Wayne, with his, with his young kids, they watched his episode and he said, well, what do you think? And they said, that was good. Can we watch my fourth birthday party again? Because everything's on the screen. You put in the tape and everybody's on TV. <laughs> so I'll I give you that one. But uh, as, far as, as far as bedtime stories and stuff, I, 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 I use voices because that's, that's my go-to. Um, uh, or, or, you know, sometimes you just let the words of the book do the, do the work because it's theater of the mind uh, the same way radio is theater of the mind. Uh, and... and uh, if you're a kid and you're opening your mind to hearing that story, uh, even if your parent is falling asleep while they're reading it because they're so exhausted from their day, yeah. it's still, you know, that's, that's the bond. That's the magic. That's, that's, that's what it's all about. What's the easiest voice for you to slip into? What feels like an extension of your body? Well, the more I do, or the better my throat feels. The cor- <clears throat> Sorry. Corn-fed pig on Duckman is the same essential range, but he's staccato and he has to keep the duck out of problems and he he has to work close to the mic, but what are you going to do? Because he doesn't project very much. He can just talk fast and let the words fly. Is there a character that you haven't done that you would absolutely love to do, whether whoever's done it, if, if was there one out there in cinematic history, television history that you would just love to do? That is one of the questions that comes up over and over, and I'm not trying to bail on it or, or sidestep it, but I'm so fulfilled with the stuff that I do. I don't think about what I haven't done or yeah. didn't do or the one that got away or any of that. But then, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have so many things that I have done and do continue to do. And so many things have had lives and longevities and over decades so so that i i have to sidestep the question i guess because it doesn't it doesn't really hit me that way i'm not looking for what i didn't get i'm so thrilled about what i did and that um because there are different hot spots and different nostalgia touch points for people at comic conventions and i have been quite literally invited around the world to comic conventions. Well, people come uh, to say thank you. To be honest with you, from my worldview, where I come from, I come, yeah. to, say th- I come to say thank you also. Yeah. It's one-on-one and you really get a sense of impact that you may or may have had if you're very fortunate in this lifetime on someone else's life without even knowing it. 
And these kind of things come up uh, from people who feel drawn to the convention or drawn to that opportunity, which, which I enjoy as much as they do. And yeah. as far as that convention vibe and just the positivity and creativity of it, I, I, I'm tempted to be an attendee even when I'm not fortunate enough to be a special guest. I mean, you, I've already said this, uh-huh. you've got such a fantastic way. If everybody was like you, there would be nothing. I got to flip this phone over because it keeps lighting my face up. People keep texting. I always try to put do not disturb on there, but that's when you always get all the messages and all the calls. Just bang, bang, bang. Let me talk to you now when you're busy, right? Guaranteed. Uh, yeah. Uh, now, like, so, uh, I'm going to, you said I had an option for a stop tape. What's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'll pause it. I, I have to address something. And you can look at your, t- I'll be back in under two minutes. Okay, no problem. I'm going to pause it right the dog, now. The dog is in the same room and the dog has a certain insistent way of saying it's time to go out. It's perfectly fine. I'm pause right I'm now. Right Thanks, man. No worries. All right. So we talked about the characters and, and your mindset when you were picking up a character and the ones that you said you haven't done, or you, they got away. You don't think like that because you're in the moment. You're appreciative for what you have. Uh, there's one character and this is one of the first movies I ever remember running at Blockbuster. Um, being a stand-up comedian fan, Rodney Dangerfield has always been in my top five. Um, just because I've just seen so much of his stuff. And I love a big guy that's got a belly like me that can wear a bathrobe <laughs> and pull it off, man. Just walks around in slippers, bath. That's what I aspire to be when, if I get lucky enough to be as old as Rodney was. Um, and he wasn't that old when he was rocking around in a bathrobe. He just looked a little bit older. Hey, um, Jeff Bridges as the dude did a pretty good job in a row. He, he did fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you worked on this movie called Roverfield. You remember, you remember much about this? Was it the same thing? You got a call or was it somebody you worked with before? Or Rover Dangerfield. Uh, I got called in very late in the process. I, I, I'm not certain of this because, like I said, I just, I just give thanks for whatever comes my way. But I think they may have uh, uh, made a change in casting or something. It felt like by the time I came in, the production had already begun. But uh, <clears throat> I didn't get to work with Rodney. He, he, he sort of did his stuff in uh, solo recordings, but he yeah. was present in the studio. He was around. Uh I was. I really think that's a, a beautiful movie. I yeah. I don't know if it found as big an audience as it deserves, mm-hmm. uh, but but like all animated features, they don't go anywhere because yes. they're about some homespun theme or whatever. It doesn't have any uh, any sell by date. Um, yeah. I still would recommend it for people as a rental. I think it's beautiful, funny, Fantastic. sweet movie. And I play Cal, the dad, and I have to make the harsh realities of life known to my son and family. And uh, the dog's got to go and the dog's got to go and then the dog doesn't go. (laughs) It was a fantastic movie. That was the first time I can really, you know, you always, I always pick out weird things. And that's why this podcast is what's in my head. Um, Wife completely came up with this name uh, because I like to go off on these tangents and I never know where they're going to go or where they're going to end. Um, but I remember the first time I ever got yelled at was renting this movie because I forgot to return it. Cause I was just watching it. <laughs> and this is back when it's still on VHS boys and girls. Yeah. Um, so I would, I kept it for like two or three weeks and I think it was like a 15 buck late fee. 
and my mom had went to go because every Friday, like it was me, my, my little brother, my little sister. And each week somebody would get to pick out a movie. Um, and uh, we just watched this one consistently. And she goes to rent her movie because she would get one with my with my stepdad and we would get one as kids. Um, and then we'd watch them all together. We wouldn't allow to watch the adult one. Um, but uh, she goes to return it and goes to check some stuff out. And then she was like, we get a $15 fee on here. And she's like, for what? <laughs> And I'm like, well, you haven't returned, you haven't returned Rover Dangerfield. And she's like, uh, yes, I did. I returned it two weeks ago. And I was like, no, mom, we still got it at home. <laughs> the first time I had ever gotten to talk to uh, in the car, <laughs> it was an interesting, no more videos, no more of this. My mother's a sweet lady. So nothing bad happened. It's just, she was real hot about 15 bucks. Cause back in the nineties, this is quite a bit of money, especially with four. Firm but fair. She yeah, was firm yeah. but fair. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in those in those days, if it was let's go to Dairy Queen, everybody was in the car in ten seconds. If it was let's return the tapes, it's like ah, oh, we'll do that later. We'll, uh, well, can't we do that tomorrow? Well, uh. That's what's great about Netflix. Uh, great yeah, about you know yeah. anything digital. You don't have to worry because they just take it back from you if you rent something, whether you finished it or not. Um, I just posted a thing uh, yesterday on my Facebook uh, asking that they we start a new award show called the Pandemies. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's just in their robes at home <laughs> that's it and then you and then you vote for most binge worthy yeah i mean uh what do you think was what do you think is your most i don't know if you'll remember but if you go to blockbuster back in the day would you ever consistently rent the same movies or were you just not a movie guy or how'd that work for you i've always been a movie guy yeah <clears throat> and the more heavy lifting the better I, I love uh, films that are convoluted and make you really work for it. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, uh, I, I don't think over and over again would always be uh, family films or for the kids or whatever, whatever like that. Princess yeah. Bride, for sure. Um, uh, planes, Trains and Automobiles, <laughs> for whatever reason. Steve Martin and John Candy together. I wish... John, there's a couple actors that were just taken way too soon. John Candy being one and Chris Farley being the other. And John Candy and Steve Martin in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I don't care what kind of mood I'm in, whether I'm having a bad day, horrible day, something could have just happened, whatever. As soon as I pop that in and you just see big old John Candy's lovable face just show up sitting next to him on the plane, you're just like, oh man, him, young Uncle Buck just... Oh, fantastic movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad I dropped that name because I feel the same. It's raucously funny, yeah. but it's got such a big heart. And that's, uh, I, I think that's really important. I think if you don't care about the characters, you don't care about what happens to them. So, um, you know, and that's a, that's a challenge for the writer, the actor, uh, if it's animation, the animator, however, however you do it, that, that's what holds me. That's what compels me. But, um, you know, then you get like crazy, crazy stuff like Vanilla Sky and, and Mulholland yeah. Drive and, and uh, uh, what's the one? Uh, the opening credits are a Polaroid that is developing backwards and it's sort of a concept for the whole movie. Anyway, I like, I like it starts with an M and I can't remember what it's called, but it's, it's that, that's another favorite. It, it, Memento. 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 I don't, I don't think I've ever seen. Really it. good. Really crazy. Let me. Uh, let me write. I've always got my little notepad because I always forget stuff. So. M e m e n t o. I got that one written down. Um, so I'm gonna check that one out with the wife. Yeah, cool. Um, 
when you talked about theater earlier and I really like it because I've tried so hard um, to get into theater. I don't know what it is. I just, I don't know if I, cause I've always just got these minds where I'll, I listen to somebody and they'll talk um, and then the mind just wanders off or I start thinking about stuff. And then I look back over and these guys are putting on a hell of a performance. Um, and I've just, I just couldn't connect, I guess. Um, when, when you were working in theater, did you get some of the same joys, the highs and lows, if you will, that you would on voice acting, or is it just completely two different entities and it was two different kinds of emotions or skill set emotions or whatever you want to call it? Because I teach, I, I, I go over these things in my mind and in, and in presentation also. My take, and it's, and it's how I try to present it, mm -hmm. is that these are all translation problems. They're all the same juice. They're all, they're all the same passion to tell a story, to tell it well, to get into a character, to build it, develop it, make it three-dimensional and communicate it. But if you're communicating that on a stage, it has to reach the last seat of the last row of the audience. Mm -hmm. If you're communicating that to a camera, it only has to go from here to here and ring true. Either way, it has to ring true. If it's, if it's animation, which is recorded like a fully developed radio play, it only has to reach from here to the microphone. Uh, all of them are, are different applications of the truth. But, but if you don't tell the truth, it stinks. And if you do tell the truth, it's always compelling and it always rings true. So, so the thing about theater is the curtain goes up, you tell that story, the audience loves it or they hate it or they love and hate it or whatever it is. Yeah. No one can edit you out. No one can rearrange the order in which things happen. That And, and it's different every night. So when you're doing theater, you don't go back to the theater the next night to do it again. You go back to the theater to do it. Every time, every time the curtain goes up, yeah. you do it. And you're doomed if you get into a mindset of, uh, let's go do it again. You're not doing it again. There will be different elements that are different. Something will be different. Somebody will sneeze at the wrong time. Somebody will, you know, a prop will disappear. The wrong sound effect will go up. The, the lights will be set for the next scene instead of the senior. Whatever it is, it's, it's live, baby. It's, it, it, <laughs> stuff, happens, stuff happens when it's live, live, live. But all, it also can't be manipulated. Whatever happens is what's happening. That, that's that's one element I like um, because I during the whole pandemic, you know, like most people in my industry, we got sent home. Mm -hmm. we got told that you know we can't we can't have you guys here, and it really sucks. And I can't remember who said this because I, I always love giving credit where credits due. Um, but I was listening to a podcast or an interview with somebody, and he said um, for cooking as well as what you do for a living there's a lot of parallels, right? And there's I a lot agree. of things that are more, more similarities than differences, yeah. you know, and while it is cooking is an art form at the end of the day, it's, it's a craft. You get better, the more you do it. Um, and that, that, that topic had came up and then whoever, whoever I was listening to had said, there's nothing worse than being somebody that's a craftsman or somebody that's artistic or somebody that's got something to say or something to show you and you have no buddy to show it to. Um, yeah. Nothing rang truer than, than this pandemic and, you know, not being able to cook for people. It's one thing to cook for your family. They always 
well, no, my kid will tell me when something's not good, which I, I love. I love when somebody tells me when something's not good. My wife's the same way. I, cause I'm, I always want to get better. I've always got steps where somebody loves it. I was like, man, I appreciate you loving it, but I know it could have been better. I could have did this, this differently. Just, so it's just elevating your game. When you were shooting live in theater, is there a different energy that, that you're feeling than doing the other mediums that you went through, or is it, pretty much all the same it's just a different outlet in the moment of doing and by the way i wanted to tell you we we uh have a poster somewhere in a box that used to be on the wall and it just says go to your studio and make something yeah that's the similarity between all artistic ventures and all creative ventures go to your studio and make something because we're all capable of that so that's that's what lights up the sensors in your brain, no matter what that creative outlet is, that's what keeps you going. If it's carpentry, you know, you never want to come in from the wood shop. Yeah. Um, but I would say in the moment of doing, they're all the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, film, because of the inordinate amount of time between setups and things, is very disjointed until it's action and then then it's everything is it's all the marbles um uh video games (laughs) you know you know you're gonna die 50 different ways interactively you know that the game is gonna take 500 different paths that are all player driven and so you go through this book that looks like the encyclopedia britannica of of prompts and and you cover you're you're vocally covering essentially a, a nearly infinite number of paths and routes and and storylines that are all player driven but in order for those things to be input uh they all have to exist and be recorded and then normally there are some idle sounds you make just while someone's passing you but 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 you're creating a a, a kind of virtually infinite universe so that requires a lot of discipline in the moment so again, those same, those same sensors are firing, but it's kind of an arduous process and you can only record it one line at a time. And these, these uh, interactive game uh, uh, studios, they have terabytes and terabytes and terabytes and terabytes of data and they have to layer it into this intricate yeah. uh um coding and and everything else and to make it playable by a player so so yeah there's the same there's the same fire in performance but like in that one in particular it's a really arduous line by line process and everything has to be approved before you move on so so it's like you know what it's 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 more like doing a jigsaw puzzle than, than just sort of wildly abstract painting on a canvas. Do you feel when you have to do, because a lot of you guys do both movies, uh, cartoons, video games, um, and the video games came up a couple times with a few different people I've talked to. And a lot of people, um, not so much say or think, but they the consensus was it's like boxing you in because they have a certain idea in their head of how they want to do it. Um, is it more daunting doing video games than, you know, just being free flowing in the studio with the other, the other guys for voice acting, or is it just another thing you just got to accept? It's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. It requires a whole, uh, uh, 
layer of discipline to just stay in the moment until it's approved and then you move to the next moment. It's, 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 it's crawling instead of running, you know, it, it's, it's very, very detailed and specific, but then you want to free yourself in the moment. A, a lot of people, and if they're war games, holy cow, uh, you're going home, you're going home kind of vocally wrecked because you just had to go through that experience. And depending on how many ways you die and how many cliffs you fall <laughs> off of and how many flaming arrows you have to take on the way down, it can be really exhausting. But you gotta, if you're going to have a career in that, you have to have the ability to keep that energy peak and that focus peak and that ability to listen to the person on the other side of the glass peak in order to uh, be viable in that in that industry. Now, you, you said energy twice, and I, I really wanted to talk about that and kind of expound upon that. Now, when I have a dinner rush, right, in a restaurant, um, it's about a 45-minute drive from my house to where I work. Um, and usually by the time you're done at work, you're tired to an extent, but your brain's just going crazy because of the adrenaline, the endorphins, all of whatever you've got going through your body is just firing on all cylinders. It's like a fight or flight, you know, uh, feeling to it. Um, and it sounds like you guys go through a lot of that. Um, you, you know, you, if something's super sad in the script, you guys got to be sad or you got to be angry, or you just got to be able to emote to a whole different level at a, just a moment's notice. What do you do to like calm down or not calm down, but what do you do to like settle down once you've been in the studio and all this crazy stuff has been happening? You know, I, I think that may have been a problem in the beginning, same as uh, after theater, you kind of everybody would find a neighborhood watering hole and you go out and just sort of uh, calm down, just just yeah. just get get relaxed before you go home. Um, but I kind of feel at this point, you know, if it was a symphony, I can walk in, pick up the violin and, and play my part uh, and then put down the violin and go home. I'm in it while I'm in it, but I don't feel like anything clings to me yeah. that requires that requires I, I, I can just put down the instrument and go home now. Um, and it's been that way for some time, but I've been doing this for decades. Uh, there's a there's a book called Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell that fantastic. says this is fantastic. It's he says anyone is 10,000 hours of hard work, dedicated hard work away from mastery of whatever that thing is that they were, that they were mastering. Well, I, I, I kind of think cumulatively, I'm, I'm well past the 10,000 hour mark. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I used to get all wired up just, just from the adrenaline of, of performing. And uh, yeah, it would take a while. Uh, to, to let go. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's, it's more joyous than stressful. The mm -hmm. Adrenaline energy is the other side of anxiety. You can say, I'm so nervous, but you're actually so excited. Yeah. Uh, one, one is sort of positive. One is negative. Uh, and, and I sort of feed on the, the uh, excited part rather than the anxious part. It's funny how there's same so emotion. many. I think it's the same emotion. It's just. I mean, yeah, it's just one A one or one A one B type of thing. One is self-destructive, and the other one uh, allows you to create stuff. Yeah, you can be productive, right? Destructive and productive. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. it, it's funny how all these different people 
kind of have that same mentality. Um, I can't remember what it was from, but it was Bruce Lee that said it. And he's like, he's not, I'm not afraid of that guy. And I'm paraphrasing here. So don't crucify me on these uh, ladies and gentlemen <laughs> at home. Um, but he's like, I'm not afraid of that guy that throws 10,000 different kicks. I'm afraid of that guy that's thrown that one kick 10,000 times. Um, oh, I mean, that's so good. Yeah. It, it's just, it, it's crazy. Like I said, there's so many parallels in this world and there's so oh, many different avenues to, to receive information and, and download information. And it's right. crazy what sticks. Um, right. I'm hoping that, you know, when I get a little bit older, um, cause I'm only 31, but I'm hoping when I get a little bit older, I, I can learn to like leave, not leave these emotions, but leave, you know, that fire or that, that adrenaline that's pumping through me at the end of these shifts, um, home because I'm just bottled up, you know, so. You got it going on. And here's, uh, I, I also compliment what you were talking about earlier uh, and the ability in your podcast, which is kind of your statement, uh, your worldview, you're, you're willing to, uh, to take the detours and you're willing to let it go where it goes. I would say you're uh, very good at this. It's a very enjoyable conversation and it's a conversation. It's, it, it, it doesn't feel like it's question answer question answer we're we're sitting around talking it's great that's I, what I, I like i mean this is I, like that's a compliment I, I appreciate that and this is great because i used to be when i was younger i used to be not afraid of getting in class because i was just that kid that would just like to talk to people uh-huh. um you know when i go to places i like seeing what everybody else is doing like going to a basketball game for an instance my uh-huh. restaurant that i worked at we catered there for the orlando magic uh go magic um, Orlando Magic playoff series, not this past year, the last year, 2019. Very cool. And we're just taking food out because it's the end of the night. Um, we ended up losing that game, sadly. Um, uh-huh. And then as we're going out, I'm just seeing all these people because I would just have nothing but free time because we're working in the club center and nobody's really eating the food we brought. It was a bunch of charcuterie stuff. So a bunch of meat that we made and salami, salumis and all these different types of things. Um uh-huh. And then I start seeing all these people that are just standing around. They've got jackets on. They're like the security guards. I'm like, they've probably got a really cool story about something that went on, whether it's a crazy fan, a crazy experience, or the time they met, insert player or music star or whatever here. Right. Uh, and then as we're going out, they're like, man, you talk a lot. And this is the people, <laughs> I, work, this is the people I work with. I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, you asked James, the security guard and Jim, this guy. And I was like, yeah, but they might be having a bad day for one. So to me talking to them, even if it's about basketball, even if it's about a cartoon, even if it's about, I don't know, I like your shoes or the socks you're wearing. I like those. Um, you know, it, it's fun to see how other people think and how they register and how they take stuff in, because I know I'm not the only one that thinks the way I think. I'm not the only one that speaks the way I speak. So it's always nice seeing and speaking to people that actually want to talk. It's fantastic. It's refreshing. And this is the funnest job or close to job I've ever really had. Um, and this is all for fun, really. <laughs> so, I mean, I, if- I couldn't agree more. And I'm starting to think that you're not the guy wandering around in the robe at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I could be the guy that's wandering around and I could just ask a whole bunch <laughs> <Yeah>. of questions. <laughs> so, but I mean, it, it, it is what it is. I really enjoy this type of stuff. There's been good interviews. I've been doing this for roughly eight weeks, give or take. Um, it's picked up a lot more, um, with everybody wanting to come on. I mean, I don't have a huge audience or a huge following yet, but hopefully through this and then people seeing not only the passion, but just the fun conversations that people can actually have when you don't really have a limit or you don't have a border or you don't have these parameters you have to stay in. And it, 
it's just fun. And it, all it is, is just talking. And it, it's the easiest thing I've ever done. You know, there you go. Well, so, you're very good at it. Uh, and I, I know when we're recording this, which is very near Halloween, I don't know when you air it, which, which is probably from now till forever. But uh, every Halloween, there's a movie I did called Spaced Invaders. I'm very proud of it. It's Halloween themed. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's available on any rental platform near you. But every, every Halloween, it, it re-airs and uh, it, shows, it shows up anyway. But it, it's kind of an annual. So uh, I'm just dropping that as, as a, uh, an additional uh, uh, viewing hint. Oh, I've got that one written down All right underneath Memento. Down. Yeah, I've got uh, written down right underneath Memento. Um, what's your favorite holiday? Oh, geez, uh, I I would say Thanksgiving because yeah. it, because specifically it's non-denominational and it's and it's uh, if you take it seriously, it's an opportunity to uh, to express gratitude. Yeah, and uh, you can you can expand that as largely as you want, but that's. We, uh, we traditionally have been the over the river and through the woods house. Yeah. So family comes to us on Thanksgiving. We go other places for other holidays and things, but uh, uh, it's a favorite. And we have the great good sense to take everybody on a hike between dinner and dessert. Oh, yeah, man, you got to because you're going to pass out at the chair. Dad's got his hand over here. Everybody's sleeping. Um, what's, your, what's your favorite dish at Thanksgiving? Uh, I'm pretty big on stuffing. I'll be honest yeah. with you. I, I think when, if you do it right and you cut it with uh, some cranberry, that that's that's the sweet spot for me. Oh man, mine's always been the uh, green bean casserole, um, mainly because my brother and sister did not like it, and I could eat so much of it. And yeah. this is, is going to make me sound super unhealthy, but I don't care. It's delicious. Um, my mom would make uh, my little sister. She was probably three at the time when we had uh, one of my first memorable moments of Thanksgiving. And my mom would get bread and then she'd roll them into two little balls and then she'd put them in a muffin tin. So when they, when they puffed up, they looked like ass cheeks. So oh. <laughs> my, my little, my little sister's like three, four, some around there. And she's like, why do the bread, why does the rolls look like butt crack rolls? And then ever since then, this is like 28 years later, every year we have butt crack rolls. For oh, like that's how you, that, that's how traditions are born. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's, it's, it's always great because uh, I, I loved gravy. I still do. So I would get like a little boat of gravy. And my mom would always butter all of our bread for us and stuff like that when we were younger. And I'm just over there dipping my butt crack rolls in gravy. Um, but yeah. it's, it, it's a fantastic. I can't wait uh, for Thanksgiving again. Uh, mom, please make butt crack rolls again. There you have it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, tradition. it is, um, you know, as we wind down, uh, you know, because we, we hit that time. My kid's actually getting his uh, purple belt here. He uh, won his second karate tournament on Saturday. So he's got a 530, um, 5.30 little graduation ceremony. I'm, I'm super excited. Uh, uh, oh, congratulations. I, thank you. It's, it's, it, it's, it's fantastic because I've never been hit more in my life by my kid up until he started karate. I'm pretty much <laughs> the practice dummy. Like I'll just walk down, walk down the stairs or I'll walk in the kitchen and all I feel is whack. And then him just a kick or a punch. And then he runs off and he's a little fast, so I can't catch him um, or get into some small place and he'll hide and I can't get him until he comes out. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it's funny seeing like a little person that's you or 50-50, you and your wife, uh -huh. and seeing them grow and seeing them change and then seeing them excel and fail. 
Um, Cause I think failure is a really big part of growing. I've learned more about failure than I ever did with, you know, getting something right on the first try. Um, so him, him, him getting his belt. That's all he's been talking about for like all week and him doing karate. That's all he's been talking about. What were some of the things that your kids, when, when they were growing up, um, what were some of the things they were into? Were they into the shows and the movies you were into, or did they have a little mind of their own type of thing? First, uh, I, I'm going to say uh, failure is not the end of the book. It's not even the end of the chapter. Failure is the middle of the chapter. And no one knows how long the book is. But it's not about, it's, it's not about when you run into that wall or hit the mat or whatever it is. It's about how, how quickly and how completely you can get back up. Uh, I think that's really important. When we were, when my kids were really little, we lived on a horse property and uh, the more they helped with the horses, the longer everything took, but those are really happy memories. Yeah. Um, and we had a, we had a house with a fence that opened to trail so we could trail ride out the back of our house. And this is Southern California. This is uh, LA adjacent, but out uh, in more rural areas. So, so things stop being by the square inch. And I feel like just that living experience was a gift to all of us, but it's really kind of hard to, uh, to make that happen in California, in this part of California, yeah. so close to Megalopolis. Um, interests have, have diver diverged. I, we, we, uh, we made two artists, one uh, uh, with a pension for music and one with a pension for uh, drawing, sketching. And she's now uh, learning uh, 3D animation. That's awesome. Uh, it, it's an artistic environment. My, yeah. my wife is a singer. My wife sang with Sha Na Na for four years and did national tours. And uh, somehow uh, these two quirky, eccentric, uh, funny <laughs> artists found each other and... Uh, we continue to live happily ever after that. I mean, in a world, especially now, I mean, that's so refreshing to hear. I've been married for 11 years. I couldn't have picked a better person to stay young with. Like we were talking about earlier. Hey, it's, it's um, Indiana Jones. You have chosen, you have chosen wisely. <laughs> it's the old night. Yeah. You have chosen poorly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's always, it's always fantastic hearing, you know, stories like that. I, I love hearing, you know, about you guys' life. I never try to get too, too personal, but I always like seeing like what you guys surround yourself with. And I think that's so important in today's day and age. You know, if you surround yourself with negativity, you're going to be a negative person. But if you surround yourself with great people, people that want and want to grow and change and do the things that you want to do, you know, not so much as like, oh, we're going to watch this. We're going to do this. It's you guys are doing the same thing, growing together. It's, it's refreshing. It's nice. And it's fantastic. And guess what? Positivity is contagious yep. and negativity is contagious. Yep. So, you know, what do you want to put out there? Cause, cause everybody gets to make that call for themselves. Yep. Uh, and, and, you know, look at the internet. You, you can yep. get two arguments for any subject just like that by going to a, a two different websites and they're reviewing the same material. And one is totally positive and one is totally negative. It's up to us. It's up to each of us. I mean, like, like I said, I've said like four times, I, you are so damn inspirational, man. I'm so glad there's teachers like you out there. Um, I had two or three Thank teachers you. that I actually enjoyed that cared, you know, about more than just checking in and checking out type of thing to get a paycheck. Um, and, and if, if anything comes from this, 
education is something that should never have a budget cut. There should really never be a budget. Throw as much money into education as you possibly can. Um, well, I, could, I couldn't agree more. And there was also uh, another meme uh, posted on Facebook yesterday. It said, teachers don't do it for the income. They do it for the outcome. Exactly. And there's very few people that give a shit about the kids and the outcome that, that, that they're fostering at this point. Um, you know, I like to end these things with some kind of form of the same question, um, you know, but it's always different because I'm talking to different people. So, you know, I got a little microphone right here. So when you've taken this microphone and you've pushed it up for the final time, you're sitting back enjoying the horses again with your wife and your kids and stuff like that. And you're out there just seeing the open range. When you think about all that you've done, all that you're going to do, what are some of the emotions or thoughts that are just going through your head? That's not difficult to answer. I hope to be remembered as a good person, a good father, a good son, a good brother, a good uncle, a good nephew, uh, a good husband, a partner. And, um, you know, I think everybody wants the comfort of knowing that you are loved and that you've found love and that you uh, tried to leave all of this better than you found it. I mean, can't, once again, can't say it any better, my friend. Um, it, it's been fantastic talking to you. You scared the hell out of me in All Real Monsters as a little, little kid. Um, and you've just continued. There was one thing we didn't get to, but... I absolutely love the show Fantastic Max. Yeah, that was one. That was, it was the first Hanna-Barbera series that I did after the things I told you about before. Yeah. That uh, was one of those shows that I still, I remember, It's. I think I'm, what's the, what's the term? Um, when you can't get in trouble for something legally, what's that term? Uh, I don't know. It's like the, uh, the waiting period or I've, oh, I've went 15 years. Now I can talk about this. I can't think of that term. Um, so I can't get slapped by my mom for this, but I used, I would skip school, say I was sick. Um, and then oh, you know, you've exceeded the statute of limitations. Statute of limitations. <laughs> so mom can't, mom can't kill me. <laughs> um, but uh, I would stay home and it was just nothing but cartoons essentially. And Fantastic Max was one of the ones that would always come on first thing in the morning before Tom and Jerry kids and everything else would start rolling into place. Um, I absolutely loved this cartoon. You can still find some of them on Amazon. I think you can buy both seasons because there's only two seasons, I believe. Right. Um, such Max, a you can't go into space in a dirty diaper. <laughs> it was just such a great damn show. Um, you know, like I said, this has been such a fun conversation, man. I really had a lot of fun. I really appreciate you taking the time. You could have done anything in the world today, right now, last <laughs> hour. But you chose to do this with me, and I really appreciate that. I can't thank you enough. Um, is there anything that you're thank you? Is there anything that you're working on um, that you can uh, you know kind of direct people towards? You're working on a book, new cartoon, new movie. I know you said you were a teacher, so where can they find you? Well, uh, I'm, I I try to make my social media uh, as interesting and compelling as I can. So Facebook slash Greg G R E G G Burger B E R G E R no spaces. And um, I try to keep it interesting. And uh, same same with Twitter, just at Greg Berger. 
Uh, and I am scribbling uh, slowly a second installment to uh, a, a sort of helpful book I wrote called Think Globally, Act Vocally, <laughs> and Voice Virtue. And uh, I'm expanding on it, so so that's kind of in uh, in in the uh, back burner stages. Um, and I was doing a play in Los Angeles, uh, very successful, almost a year into our run, uh, when pandemic happened, and you start to realize that that person coughing in the audience <laughs> might uh, have everyone's health uh, at risk. So uh, that went into sort of deep hibernation, but theoretically that may reemerge. Play called Mistakes Are Made, world premiere of a brand new play by Jerry Mayer. Okay. And I try to always do some of everything. So um, there's, there's always something to record and uh, I try to stay in theater and I try to stay, I just try to stay involved, relevant and, and contemporary. And um, that's kind of the beauty of it. Uh, I always, because I have so much love for the, the, the shows that I have done, I always hope there will be more that they'll bring back real, uh, real monsters, that they'll bring back Duckman, that they'll bring back yet another uh, incarnation of, of the Garfield show. Uh, these are all great, great, great loves of mine. And uh, I know there's audience and uh, it's, it's always beautiful and always possible for something that has that inf infinite shelf life to, to, to start uh, producing again. So, you know, that's always out there in the, in the dream, dream wish list. Uh, and I'm just busy uh, enjoying life and working very hard uh, to, uh, to hope that the election next Tuesday goes the way that I hope it will go. And, um, you know, I just wish the highest and best for everybody. Well, amen class act you've been and nickelodeon you heard it from the grumble himself please <laughs> bring back our real monsters we would Isn't love that, right? we would love a prequel show i'm that for sure down um you know like i said it's been a pleasure it's been an honor it's been a privilege um you stay safe out there uh hopefully all this stuff will start opening back up when it's time to um hopefully you can get that play back on and Anytime, I always throw this invitation out there. Anytime you guys are in Orlando, Florida, let me know and I treat you guys the best damn meal you'll ever have in your life. Cool. Uh, actually, Orlando has been uh, a, a semi-regular convention stop. Uh, I hope uh, it will be again. Well, anyway, hi, Captain. Thank you, Commander. Very flattered. Thanks for having and uh, every good wish. Thank you, sir. You have a great day. You as well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks again for checking out the What's In My Head podcast. If you're digging what you're hearing, leave us a five-star rating. That will help other fans of animation and pop culture find the show. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button, tell a friend, and I'll see you guys and gals next week. Good night.